Genesis House, FirstNet, built with AT&T, and the Friends in Recovery podcast are proud to bring you Answering the Call, the First Responders podcast. Join your hosts, Podfather, Jersey Ed, and Noontime with Skylar Noon, as they address the real issues of first responders' health and wellness, from physical and mental health to relationships and work-life balance. Answering the Call, the First Responders podcast, is available on Facebook, Podbean, iTunes, and YouTube, as well as iHeartRadio, 24 hours a day, seven days a week. Now, here are your friends in recovery answering the call. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Answering the Call, the First Responders podcast, sponsored by FirstNet, built by AT&T. I am the podfather, Mike Miles, and I'm here with my close and good friends, Jersey Ed, guys. Hey, everybody. It's time with Sky. Hey, everyone. Time with Sky. What's up, Beautiful Sky? Beautiful day. Yes, it is. Really nice. It is. We got a special guest, guys, today, Stephanie Samuels from the um, the ultimate line that we've always been talking about, copline.org. Guys, <laughs> we've been talking about this guest for a long time, and yeah. we're going to bring Stephanie on in a, in a little bit, but uh, this, this is like a long-awaited show, as everybody's been listening. They know that- um, yeah, it is. It is. We're going to find out all about Copline. We're going to hear, you know, a lot of good insights about it and, uh, you know, all that stuff. But we'll bring Stephanie on in a minute. But uh, Podfather, I see you're from your in your car and and Sky, you got yeah. some cool backgrounds going on. And- <laughs> you know, I'm leveling up. <laughs> a couple of months ago, maybe a, several months ago, we did a podcast from my car. I had a flat tire. Yes. And, uh, believe it or not, last night driving home from my office. I had a nail in my tire. Oh, no. I pulled it out. Yep. And uh, guess what? Another flat tire. Another flat tire. So eh, podcasts (laughs) from the car are not good. So but but he's smoking a cigar over there. He's retired. He's a got what more in life can you ask for, Podfather? Not much. You know what we could ask for, Podfather? We could ask for people to call us at 617-379-1163. That's our phone number to get a hold of us. That is not a hotline or a helpline, guys. This is just a line to call in about um, a guest or if you have some questions for the Podfather or whatever you want to, um, you know, as far as anything goes. Or else you can email us at help at friendsandrecoverypodcast.com. That's help at friendsandrecoverypodcast.com. That's a right. way you can get in a hold of us. Again, the, the, that phone number is not a helpline. The helpline is the um, 1-800-COP-LINE. And Stephanie Samuels is our guest today to tell us all about that. Before I bring Stephanie on, I want to le- read a quick um, paragraph about her bio. Um, Stephanie Samuels is a uh, psychotherapist who works exclus- exclusively with police officers in New Jersey, New York, Pennsylvania, Massachusetts, and Oklahoma. Ms. Samuels has lectured all over the country on PTSD and trauma, including undiagnosed PTSD and the fallout from departmental silence after officers are involved in critical incidences. Stephanie Samuels, welcome to the show. Hi, thank you. It's really an honor to be on here with you guys. (laughs) Yes, absolutely. Yeah, absolutely. Oh, say it again, Podfather. I know. I just said it's so nice having her on. I know. I know. Well, Stephanie, I have to tell you, we have been talking about your way before the new year, because you and I spoke before the new year, you were asking me to promote your, um, your run. And I, we did on here. And I, I asked if I can put, use your phone number, your cop line, 1-800-COP-LINE to, um, to put out there. Yeah, absolutely. So ever since probably the beginning of December, we've been talking about cop line and we have been waiting for this show as, as right guys, haven't we been waiting for this yeah. show as, as long well, as we've been promoting cop line, right? 100%. Yeah. <laughs> and I'll Each even week tell it you, it was like two more weeks. Two I, more know, weeks. I know. I know. I'll countdown. I know. Yeah, it was <laughs> good. So absolutely. And and the one one thing that and, and I'll have you explain a little bit who you are and, and what you do as far as cop line goes and how it all started. But the one thing that Podfather, I love how when what we do talk about suicide on here, we talk about hard times, good times, all that. But Podfather will always say, Ed. If we spoke, talked about something rough, he would say, Ed, please give that phone number out, that 1-800-COP-LINE number. And uh, we always do. We always, in the middle of a show, we'll give it out. And talking about something rough on here that might trigger somebody or think about something, we give your phone number out. And it's just amazing. So um, instead of me trying to figure out what it is and 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 going through everything, why don't you tell us about a little bit about 1-800-COP-LINE and copline.org, Steph? 
Sure. So, so thank you again. Um, so Copline is pretty simple. It's exactly, you know, when, when retired officers want to volunteer, I always say to them, I said, you know how you've gone to trainings like your entire career and you sign up for something and you, and you think you're going to, to get one thing and you never end up, it's never exactly what you think. I'm like, Copline is exactly what you think. <laughs> so I think that's the greatest surprise. So it is, um, retired vetted officers that have been trained and gone through extensive training. They also are required to do in-service training um, four times a year with us um, to answer these lines. And the lines are there for all different psychosocial stressors. So from the bad day phone call, just, you know, kind of frazzled, certainly with what's going on in society and, you know, lost a, a Capitol police officer yesterday, yes. just yeah. devastating yeah. Um, to, to that full blown mental health crisis, because it's really important. What, what I've, what I've watched. So I've been a, a clinician for 30, well, 32, 33 years. Let's just work with law enforcement. And, you know, what I've seen is by the time they get in to see me, they should have been there 10 years ago, that it is truly the cumulative effects of, of life. They come on the job. They are resilient typically from a history. So a typical profile of a cop goes like this. Somebody who has grown up in crisis, does well in crisis, doesn't know how to live without crisis, issues with a father figure, significant loss early in life, history of abuse, emotional, physical, sexual, and neglect makes for a good cop, makes for a difficult home life. Mm. So, but damn it, it also has given them their resiliency. Mm. They have survived every worst day of their life up until this very moment. Mm -hmm. So being able to pull from that. So when we go through the training with retired officers, they truly end up getting far more than they bargained for. The lines are exactly what, what they are. But for our retired officers, the challenge is we, I understand, and, and our trainers understand the, what, what the profile is, what the amazing profile is. And most of the time, nobody's ever addressed that. So as they go through the training, as they go through role plays, they're really challenged. But I will tell you, there is nothing that I haven't just mentioned that we have not had to field on those phones. So whether it be an officer who has gone to a scene where a child has been molested, that for the first time that officer has called an anonymous line to talk about um, what it was like for them and to disclose that they had been molested. <clears throat> so... So being able to provide a line that can deal with truly anything, because the belief is if we can grab them with low hanging fruit, mm -hmm. when it's time for the high hanging fruit and they've had a really good experience, they'll call back. Mm -hmm. And the truth is they do. Mm -hmm. So, so we know we're doing something right. Mm -hmm. So cop line came out of years when I was, uh, when I was in high school, um, I had been a, a founding teen, uh, on a teen line mm. because teens only talk to teens. Cause we know that, that adults are stupid. So <laughs> we, we were able to, so, so it was a simple concept back then, um, and was able to be in that first focus group and did that from the time I started when I was 14, by the time we got on lines or whatever, I was 16 and then had, you want to talk about what sex? So I had aged out pretty quickly because that's the worker it seen. I think, Jesus, there goes that life. So, <laughs> um, so that was over 40 years ago. So I have I, I stayed in touch actually with the woman who had had created it, Dr. Elaine Leader. Mm -hmm. Um so I, so I started riding with, with cops. Um, I wasn't sure if I wanted to be a police officer. It was back in the 80s. I was in mm -hmm. Los Angeles. I had grown up out there. Oh, wow. For the uh, formative, formative years, um, just enough time to get into some serious trouble. That was the Rodney <laughs> King years, actually. Yeah. Was, uh, oh, yeah. Yeah. 
So, and LAPD had formed their gang detail unit back then. So, so that had kind of really interested me. And at some point in time, I, I realized I did a lot of ride-alongs. I, I didn't know if I, if I could do it. I, I honestly didn't know, not physically, but psychologically. Mm. I didn't know if I had what it took. So I ended up moving back east, kind of, um, and then ended up in, in the police academy out in Monmouth County, where I live. And mm. I said, director then, I said, um, I was wondering, you know, who does, you know, who does your debriefings and, you know, for officers involved in critical incidents, untimely deaths, blah, blah, blah. And he looked at me like I had two heads. <laughs> and then kind of, you know, figured I might be speaking LAEs because that's a whole different language out on the mm-hmm. left side of the country. Mm-hmm. And uh, finally, he, you know, he said, you know, nobody. So mm-hmm. I started, um, I started lecturing. So he gave me two hours. We had just had a suicide um, in Monmouth County. And I went up to the director and I said, how many more deaths is it going to take until you start talking about this? Mm-hmm. So he gave me two hours the last day of that recruit class. You can mm-hmm. imagine how excited mm-hmm. they were to hear me. And <laughs> at the last and, two and, hours too. And talking about suicide. <laughs> <Woo>! <laughs> So what grew out of that was then, you know, 20 hours of, of being able to deal with recruits. And that, Mm. that was just incredibly um, beneficial and, and helped me understand, but I I started doing a lot of ride alongs and, you know, we're going to talk about cultural competent therapists. And I am a firm believer that if you're going to work with law enforcement, your ass better be in, in a police car at some point in time. And I don't mean for the convenient two hours, you know, between picking up kids, making dinner, doing, I, I don't care. And I know that's really, you know, sexist and I'll probably get slammed for that. But um, I, I just, it's about taking the uncomfortable shifts. Like I remember taking a midnight shift. First of all, the guy freaked out because he's like, are you kidding me? This bitch is staying with me for 12 hours because he was on a pit. <laughs> won't get a chance to sleep yeah, yeah. <laughs> and i finally said to him i go listen it's okay if you coop and he looked at me and he's like <laughs> it, you know it, i like i i got it but i remember getting off the shift and not knowing whether or not i should eat sleep or shit so i finally took a bowl of raisin bran into the bathroom figured i could knock two <laughs> out of three off and pray that i didn't fall asleep on the toilet it it was it was just important to be able to understand and you and so you know when I first started doing that I had come from LAPD riding with them and Los Angeles Sheriff's Department just amazing amazing uh, individuals to Avon by the Sea dead Mm -hmm. of winter and they had talked to they're like oh you're going to be bored you know what people don't realize that in these small towns the the emotionally charged incidents is every call because Los Angeles is too big. They're not patrolling their own hometowns. Mm. When you get into these small towns, every single call is, is one that you can't build that armor. It's not Mm. John Doe or Jane Doe. It's aunt Sally's neighbor Mm. that I grew up with. Mm. So that kind of emotional protection that officers need Mm-hmm. It's really gone yeah. when they go. Yeah. So, so I learned so much. Yeah. Um, and then I, I kind of, so I took this concept and I thought, you know what? They need to be able to talk to somebody. And I thought, well, what happens if, because what I was seeing, and then we started seeing in my own practice, is I was retiring officers early due to post-traumatic stress mm-hmm. disorder. And yet they took with them a wealth of knowledge a compassion and understanding that they that they would never have had otherwise if they hadn't been involved in this and it was going to be lost. Mm. So that's where, so the concept was born as a teenager, <laughs> executed with teens, and then really um, was honed in on, on law enforcement. And I get asked all the time, you know, why retired officers? Sometimes I get some, uh, some angry active officers saying, I don't understand why I was excluded. Mm. So I want to, I want to get that out there that the yes. reason why they have to be retired officers is because sworn officers have a duty to 
do something if they call their calls and they're engaged in illegal activity, mm. whether it is um, substance abuse, whether it is domestic violence, um, that, that they have to do something. Whereas a retired officer is not required to do so. Mm. And Copline needed to be able to be set up so that officers can talk about really anything without fear of them having been so courageous to dial 10 numbers. Mm -hmm. And that became the mistake that cost them everything. Mm. So, you know, when officers call the line, so the other question has been, we are the only truly confidential hotline. If people say confidential, I task everybody that listens to your show to vet hotlines. Mm. I always say to them, call cop line. I, you know, I, I'm, I'm the damn founder and director. Don't listen to me. I'm not going to talk shit about it. <laughs> call it yourself. Yeah. Yeah. You know? mm-hmm. yeah. But talk about confidentiality. Mm-hmm. because every line that I am aware of that a police officer calls is going to have that phone pinged and traced mm-hmm. if they talk about, if they're suicidal. Mm-hmm. And, you know, we know that one out of eight officers thinks about suicide. So a common question. So why should we be this gatekeeper mm-hmm. for what appears to be truly a common thought, mm-hmm. but we don't allow anybody to talk about it. Mm-hmm. And that's why they don't. They're, uh-oh, if I talk about this, <clears throat> I'm going to lose everything. Yes. Yeah. That's the problem. You call some of these lines and you talk about suicide, man. There's, you know, somebody at your door almost, you know, and, and who and, shows yeah. up at the yeah. door, the cop, your, your, your brother, your sister. Right. Yeah. And yeah. so the good of the one could not outweigh the good of the many. Mm -hmm. So you Mm -hmm. send a cop to the cop's door Mm -hmm. and the cop goes back to the department and says, hey, I just showed up at Ed's door. He's done. Mm -hmm. Never call that hotline. Mm -hmm. So now everybody in his department knows. So I've now contaminated that entire Yeah. So Mm -hmm. cop line... So we made sure, and one of the ways that we made sure has made it difficult for funding, but I can mm-hmm. look any officer in the eyes and tell them that there, there is no fear. Mm-hmm. We don't take any, any government money. Mm. So there's no, there's no state funding. There's no, fe- there's no federal money. Mm-hmm. So that the integrity of these lines can be maintained. You guys haven't spent your careers building what you have to lose it because you've asked for help. That's your fear. Mm-hmm. So, and, and our officers, you know, that's difficult. You know, a lot of our guys are, are religious mm-hmm. and you know, when we vet, I need to say to them, how are you going to feel if you have an officer on the other line that's suicidal? Mm-hmm. So here's what we know. So the Los Angeles suicide prevention center is the oldest hotline in the United States. It's been around since 1963. Wow. They, have, they have fielded over 7,500,000 calls up to 2019 is when I could get the stats up until. This is for Two, cops or this is for civilians? Nope, nope civilians. So okay. oldest, oldest hotline, <laughs> mm-hmm. only suicide. So it mm-hmm. is a suicide hotline. It is not, you know, like cop line, but, uh, you know, so it'll advertise only for suicide prevention. So they have fielded over 7,500,000 calls of which two people, two have wow. died by suicide on those wow. lines. So out of, out of 7 million calls. 7,500,000 wow. calls to have wow. died by suicide on the lines. Wow. So what we know is that people that call hotlines don't typically call to die by suicide on those mm-hmm. lines. Mm-hmm. They call to talk. Yes. Mm-hmm. So I sure as hell wasn't going to breach. So when we vet and we talk to them, you know, we explain this to them because if they're uncomfortable, and you know what? Never had anybody as religious as some of our retirees are that that has been a conflict because they understand it. Mm-hmm. And, and we know that officers, you know, the hardest thing was to train giving advice out of an officer. <laughs> and I'm not sure we trained it out of them, but boy, we hold them to task in those yeah. ways. Mm-hmm. 
So when you get somebody on the line that's suicidal, a lot of our, you know, a lot of our, our listeners are past hostage negotiators, mm. you know, past peer support. List, listeners being the volunteers. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Because that just seems to be who's drawn. Yeah. I like listeners. That's great. That is such a great, uh, you know, a volunteer or, or, or an expert. I don't need a volunteer. I need somebody that's going to fucking listen to me. I love it, that, Steph. I love that. So I, I'll tell you, if you haven't ever seen um, Kevin Briggs, um, the, the, what is he on? TED Talk. It's yeah. a 15-minute TED Talk. He was California Highway Patrol officer. Mm-hmm. who worked for 16 years on the Golden Gate Bridge talking about talking people out of suicide. And one mm-hmm. of the things that that has absolutely ruminated since I have watched it is you spent hours talking to, to somebody who then climbed back over and he said to that person, what did I say? I have goosebumps. Mm-hmm. And he said, it wasn't what you said. You listened. Mm-hmm. The power of listening mm-hmm. is so key, but listening requires you to connect to another human being. Mm-hmm. Cops have guarded against that connection. <laughs> that is true. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, so being able to sit in that hole and to be able to say to you, brother, I can't imagine what this is like. Mm-hmm but I feel Mm. how absolutely overwhelmed and helpless you are. You are not alone. Tell me what's going on. Tell me what else in your life you've got. Mm. You know, and when it comes to suicide, most people have in their back pocket, you know, what about your wife? What do you, you find out they have a wife, they have Mm -hmm. kids. And they start using that. The, well, what we call those anchors. Mm-hmm. You know, well, they about- make them make them human, right? They're like we're human. Because usually, when you're calling suicide, you 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 have this blank look. You don't want to be part of the human race anymore. And it sounds like you you make them human again. I don't know if that's the right term for it, but so so many times, what we found is that those that are that are thinking of killing themselves have thought about their loved ones and truly believe that they will be better mm. off without them. Mm-hmm. So I'm not going to get into, and we train, this isn't a pissing contest. Mm-hmm. This is about being able to say to them, I can't imagine the pain <laughs> that you're in that you don't want to be here anymore. What would it be like for you not to kill yourself just for the next five minutes while we talk? Wow, that's, that's heavy. Giving them permission you know, one of the things that I know for me makes it so important for me to stay alive is the knowledge that I can take myself out mm. because it means that I have control over my life. Mm. So after they call the hotline, it's so important to give them back control mm. because officers need to be in control. Mm-hmm. They need to be able to understand Mm-hmm. That that reaching out is normal, and that we're not looking down. That we're gonna we're gonna let them we're gonna let them stay in the driver's seat. If if it's time for me to just take over because they're a little tired or whatever, I'm gonna take over for mm-hmm. just that time. But I'm giving them back mm-hmm. that driver's seat. Yeah, I'm not taking away their driver's license. Mm-hmm. It's okay and, not to be okay, right? Is yeah. that what you're really telling them? Exactly. And it's okay to think about killing yourself. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Natural. Yeah. Yeah, It's a natural thing. People don't really understand. Yeah. And most cops that come see me when I ask them on my eight page evaluation, if they've thought of suicide, suicide ideation, you know, they're sometimes apprehensive. Sometimes they they break down and say, yeah, hundred percent, always thinking about it, you Mm -hmm. know? And then when they understand that someone's actually asking them, have you thought of killing yourself? Mm. Uh, how many times? Well, you know, have you, do you have a method? You know, all of a yeah. sudden you're speaking their language. Yeah. They understand. They feel comfortable and relaxed. Hey, I think we're going to take a break here, Ed. 
Yeah, we're going to take a break, Seth. And when we come back, we're going to get more into the cop line. You know, you tell us, uh, I want to find out, you know, maybe we could talk about some calls, what 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 kind of calls we get on the cop line and, yep. and all that stuff. So, Podfather, you want yep. to take us out here? Yeah, sorry. <laughs> Wrong podcast. <laughs> answering, the call, answering the call, the first responders podcast, sponsored by FirstNet, built by AT&T. I am the Podfather. We'll be right back. You're first, first to respond, first to put others' lives before your own. And in an emergency, you need a network that puts you first, that connects you to technology, to each other, and to other agencies. Built with and for first responders. FirstNet, the only congressionally authorized wireless network for first responders. Because putting you first is our job. Since 1992, Genesis House has been helping real people heal from addiction on their private recovery campus in beautiful Palm Beach County, Florida. Their family-owned program is accredited by the Joint Commission and offers detox and dual diagnosis treatment in a comfortable and confidential setting. At Genesis House, they focus on treating the underlying causes of addiction. Their comprehensive approach includes psychiatric care, individual and small group therapy, trauma healing techniques, and holistic care including yoga, massage, and animal-assisted therapy. After treatment, their clients enjoy the lifelong support of a nationwide network of Genesis House alumni. Call Genesis House today at 1-800-737-0933 to speak with someone who understands. Visit them on the web at www.genesishouse.net. It's time to start your journey to a long and successful recovery. Hey everybody, welcome to Answering the Call, the First Responders Podcast. Sponsored by FirstNet, built by AT&T. I am the podfather, and I'm here with my close friends, Jersey Ed. Oh, Jersey Ed. You're, oh, you're talking to me, Jersey Ed. I'm like, wait, am I his close friend? I guess I am. <laughs> <laughs> hey, guys, Jersey Ed. <laughs> and? It's noontime with Sky. Sky. And, and our special guest today is Stephanie Samuels. And we were just um, talking about... Um, the cop line and what was going on and, and some of the, the police officers that were that the retired police officers, it's fascinating that you have the, the retired police officers there. And um, because of that, um, because of that reason, because they're not obligated to what um, regular police officers are. I, wrote, I was just writing some, um, some things down here, Steph, and um, a couple of things that stood out. Um, important to understand cops. That was your, that was what you said that you had to do. It's important to understand cops. That's the first time I heard that from a civilian and especially, well, not the first time, but a civilian who's working very closely with cops. Um, that is, that is so key to understand a police officer, especially if you're going to do what you're doing from the, the cop line um, perspective, you have to definitely get to know them as far as that goes. Right. And, and yet when anybody calls cop line, like you'll never get me. Mm -hmm. um, matter of fact, if you want to see me, you can't call cop line because my bylaws <laughs> make it clear that I, that under no circumstances can I ever profit. So mm -hmm. I, I'm not on my own referral list. Um, yeah. anybody that's on cop lines referral list is culturally competent, mm -hmm. um, that has been, that has been vetted by, um, by us and, and us typically is, um, either a clinician and a retired officer or just a retired officer. Mm -hmm. So I just want to I just want to say how important that is. All right. Yep. I am a clinician and I am a retired officer. Thirty five years, eight years as the employee assistance professional, helping police officers and their family in the city of Lowell and surrounding cities and towns, because there's not enough therapists out there that cops feel comfortable going to. So mm -hmm. I was inundated. I still am inundated. I get calls every day. I guarantee you, I, I've gotten two messages this morning. I know exactly who it's from. But your training, <laughs> your, your training and your um, your program is so, I don't know, it's just right there. Talking about L.A., when you were talking about L.A., everything trickles from L.A. out to the East Coast. Mm -hmm. Do you know I watch Adam 12 now that I'm an old man, five, <laughs> 5 to 6 p.m. every night if I'm home and I love it. But you know why I watch it? Not just because of Officer Reed and Malloy and all their great, but they they were, those actors and that, <clears throat> that whole show was based on the operating standard procedures standard operating procedure of the lapd every call they go on every call they take over the year everything they do is exactly how they naturally do it and other departments have learned 
from LAPD. Wow. It wow. eventually comes this way. Yeah. We didn't have a we didn't have a program in the city the size of Lowell, um, 250 police officers <clears throat> until the 90s, you know, where you could actually go speak to somebody with your, with your problems and feel comfortable that it wasn't some some um, social worker right out of a, a very, very liberal college who um, is eating salad with her fingers and saying, oh, my God, you brought a gun. You have a gun on, you know, yeah, of course you have a gun. I'm working. I come to you on the work. So I'm listening to you and I say you're speaking my language. And I, I guarantee you there are cities and towns in this area that still are in the dark ages when it comes to uh, critical incidents and debriefings and defusings. So that, that's so our lead trainer is with the Los Angeles Police Department. So he has a dual expertise. He was the director of the Los Angeles Suicide Hotline. So mm. um, so he comes from the oldest hotline and knows yeah. hotline work awesome. and now is with the Los Angeles Police Department in their behavioral science services. So I am not lead trainer. I actually take the uh, my slice of pie is post-traumatic stress disorder. That's mm. what I'm, I'm an expert in and lecture. Mm. So they're, they're just the different components, but the, but the training cadre is amazing. Mm -hmm. So um, so that was one of the things, and, and I'm going to touch on, and I, I always hesitate, but I, I feel it is important. As a clinician, in particularly the times that we're going through, the political climate for officers to be able to talk about their frustrations, the concerns about walking in to a therapist's office that they know predominantly the field is liberal mm -hmm. is a huge concern. So I remember one of the guys was involved in a shooting. He ended up getting referred to me and he came in and he tells the story all the time. He says, I'm figuring I'm walking into some flaming liberal who's going to make me stand up and do kumbaya. Instead, I get a middle-aged, foul-mouthed woman who is a lifetime member of the NRA. It's like, right. it's a fucking win. Yeah. <laughs> so, what more can you yes. ask for, right? <laughs> but, but that is so important. Mm. And I'm sorry that that viewpoints absolutely come into play when you work with law enforcement, period. Mm. And, and and it's not about being racist. I mean, somehow or another, being conservative became, you know, you know, synonymous with being a racist or, or what have you. Absolutely right. not the mm -hmm. case, as, as we know. But I know when officers walk in and they see what's what's in my office, they know that they're sitting with a friendly. Mm hmm. Yeah. And that is imperative. So thank you, Mike, for bringing that up. Mm -hmm. And so important. It, it's yeah. so important. Mm -hmm. And when we refer, we need to make sure of that because yeah. when you walk in and they've got, you know, political pictures up um, and, you know, and, and signs of black lives matter, listen, and, and that it becomes racist to say all lives matter. Like you can't do that. So, so that, that is so, so important. And, you know, I, I know that that you had touched on and I wanted to address kind of what kind of calls that cop line. Gets. Yeah, absolutely. Because I think it's important for for people to realize that they are bad day calls. So 96 percent of our calls are bad day calls. Mm -hmm. Just shit that's gone on at work, at home, bad day calls. And three to three and a half percent are critical incidents, officers involved in OISs. Um, child-related incidents, and on and off the job, cancer with a loved one, mm. uh, DUIs with with themselves. Mm -hmm. So those are those are those are crisis calls. And then you get that that half percent to that one percent that we lovingly refer to as they are the calls that make your ass pucker. Mm. They are the they are the officer that is crying on the phone, that has a that you know has a firearm, typically in their lap who has just said that they cannot go on. And, and so my, so my, they're, they're, they're not mine, although I feel like they're all mine. Um, the, it's they're, your they're, baby. Come on. I, it is. <laughs> I, I think they take better care of me than I take care of them. So, so the listeners all, they have been so well-trained to deal with this entire gamut of, of, of calls. 
And one of the things when, I, when we are vetted, and particularly I am vetted for Copline, is, well, if you don't ping phones and you don't send rescue, then how do you deal with a yeah. suicidal officer? Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. So, because we certainly have no desire to bear witness, but mm-hmm. we will bear witness to pain. Mm-hmm. So it's being able to train in active listening, being able to let them know that they're never alone. And again, as you heard me say, I stay in the front seat, you know, and, and those volunteers are in the front seat. So when they're not doing well, if they need to take that wheel for that moment to be mm-hmm. able to say to the person that's calling as time goes on, because rapport building is key. Mm-hmm. Just because you've dialed cop line, you not you guys know cops not the most trusting group in America. Mm-hmm, no. <laughs> so you know they're, they're they're doing their own checking whether or not they're really a retired officer, mm-hmm. and they're not they're not aggressively they're not assholes being mm-hmm. like what department did you work for? What rank? <laughs> not, it, it's that subtle kind of stuff mm-hmm. that yep. they talk about, yep. and don't forget we're covering a nation, so. 10 codes are not necessarily throughout the United States Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and, and 10 codes, even in New New Jersey vary. So we've had to train our retirees to not assume like a pit maneuver here is a tap maneuver in Oklahoma. Mm -hmm. So being able to say to our retirees, Mm -hmm. you know, I, I, I'm not familiar with it, with a tap maneuver. Can you please explain that? And as they start to be able to, and now they're thinking, oh my God, if I say that, they're going to think I'm not a cop Yeah. to, for them, them, for them to be able to say, ah, where, where I patrolled, you know, we call that a pit maneuver. Okay. So it's being able to connect. So, you know, what, what's a, a, you know, a a 10, eight, well, you know, I I just want to make sure that, that we're on the same page A 10, eight, where I patrolled meant Mm -hmm. that, you know, I was clear. What does mm. it mean? No, it means, you know, officer needs assistance. So, mm-hmm. you, so you just want to make sure. And we find that that really connects them. It's not that because, because we know that we have retired officers on the other end. So yeah, all yeah. they have to do is be them and, <laughs> yeah. and, and they connect and they're not calling a line to be abusive. They want to connect. Mm-hmm. So it's done kind of very flawlessly, seamlessly. And that connection gets built and then rapport. Mm-hmm. And at some point in time, the, the listener will say, I can hear the amount of pain you're in, who's home and kind of surveying Mike, you know, kind of like, would you talk about that suicide assessment? And we don't have the value of being able to see them. So, you know, we also ask, you know, where are you? And one of the calls that we took was a officer that seemed to be doing fine. Listener said, you know, I'm wondering where you are. He was in the woods Mm. and and he said, um, is anybody there with you? And he said, no. And he said, where's your firearm? And he said, on my lap, because I'm going to kill myself. And it's just, and that listener said, I, there was nothing in the world that made him believe from listening and what have you, except the skill set that is taught on these lines to make sure that we ask kind of what's going on. Give me your eyes and ears. Tell mm. me what you see. Tell me what you hear. Uh... Just like you guys are on patrol. You keep your windows cracked open the dead of winter. So I learned to always bring sweatshirts. Um, Popeye <laughs> 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 was laughing. Oh, you know, was... <laughs> so yeah, the, 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 can you roll the window up for the uh, for the for the invader was not really an, an ideal uh, thing. <laughs> so, um, because you need to hear what's going on. The difference between fire and police. You guys are sniffing that perimeter. That's mm-hmm. what our listeners are trained to do. But we need to do it with the help of that caller. Mm-hmm. And, wow. and so once that um, so once that rapport is built, once we understand where the person is, and then we say, I can hear how alone you are. I'm wondering, is there anybody else that you're close to? that you thought about reaching out to. And I'm also wondering what prevented you from doing that? So there are times when they'll say, you know, no, there, there's no one. And to say that really, really feels so alone. I'm so glad I'm on the phone with you. So, and if they say, you know, my, my, my buddy, Mike, and you say, did you tell Mike that you're really struggling with the divorce? 
well, you know, you know, Mike's got his own shit too. He's got a sick kid. I, I don't want to burden him. Say, how do you know Mike has a sick kid? Well, he, he told me, does Mike know you're going through a divorce? Oh yeah, everybody knows I'm going through a divorce. Well, then if, if everybody knows that, I bet you it didn't feel like a burden for you to hear about a sick kid. Uh, no, mm. of course not. Mm -hmm. Well, I'm wondering if he would feel the same way about, about you that you're struggling with a divorce. Uh, you know, yeah, but you now, know, will, will you get Mike on the line to, to talk to them or is that, so, is that not, an option? But we okay. will say to that caller, <clears throat> um, how do you feel while you're on the phone with me? Because, mm -hmm. because I want to stay connected to you. Um, how would you feel about throwing Mike a text right mm -hmm. now? Or mm -hmm. even adding him to our call. Uh, okay. Okay. And that's where the success has been. Wow. And and they they end up doing that. So you go from the most lethal mm -hmm. and you're able to kind of open up the, the lens. Mm -hmm. Um, because because suicide is telephoto. Mm. All they see is the system. Mm. Yes. So being able to get them to a wider angle. Mm. A little bit of periphery is what we're going to do. Brings them out and, of it. And what we're going to do is we're going to sit with them. Mm -hmm. And while we sit with them, even if you say nothing, mm -hmm. you're still going to watch that telephoto expand. Mm -hmm. So, wow. so those are, and those are, like I said, those are your, your, your half percent to 1%. Mm -hmm. Now, how many calls do you get a month, Steph? So, so last month we, I think we fielded two hundred and fifty-six. I think that's oh what what came through um, wow. for for our stats. We have we have had all fifty states and Canada call. Wow, um, there are different providence up in Canada, but we've we've been able to to touch on uh, on quite a few of those providences as well. Oh my God, that's amazing. We, we also get third-party calls. Okay, and listening, uh, Stephanie, um, it's yeah. Mike. Listening to to you and, and you know in my my um, I had a long career. I was very fortunate. I stayed healthy and I, I enjoyed my career. I loved it. I uh, I left four years before I could have, but I was sixty one. I'm like, hey, you know, the last thing anybody wants to see is an old cop climbing upstairs, and you know, it's, it just doesn't look, you know. <laughs> but um, I I had the opportunity twice in the last ten years um to, to talk maybe twelve years to talk somebody out of suicide. I had, a, I had a drug dealer in a window. He was in a window jam, second story, detectives outside, detectives in the hall. He's sitting in the window jam with a 38 to his head. And they call, I was working a detail with um, this officer, Mickey O'Keefe, who was in the movie, The Fighter. He played himself. Mark Wahlberg played um, Mickey Ward. Anyway, Mickey O'Keefe is well known. Everyone knows him, loves him. So we were working together in a detail and they called me to the scene to see if I could talk this guy out of shooting himself. And what I did was I kind of stuck my head around the corner. He was yelling, screaming, swearing, didn't want nothing to do with me. Get the fuck away from me. And I just said, hey, do you have children? I must have asked him three or four times. Finally, he goes, what fucking difference does it make? I said, well, I just want you to know that if you kill yourself, that they are going to, you know, have a 30 percent higher rate of possibility of doing the same thing. Maybe not with a gun, but they're gonna have their own problems down the road and they're gonna think, well, my dad killed himself. I guess this was my, you know, um, inheritance. I, ha I have to do this. And that worked, put the gun down. He was arrested, obviously he got caught with all his drugs, but other cops come up to me afterwards, which really impressed me, two of them. And one of them was, a he, he almost went to the pros and the NFL. And he said, you know, Miles, is that true? Is that what you said? Is it true? I said, yeah, it's, it's a fact, you know? And he said, wow, it really made me think. But my point is this. I'm not saying he was thinking of it, but I guarantee you that any cop that was there heard that. And you know what? It kind of resonated. And mm. it's so I'm listening to you and I, I, I wish there was a hundred like you. Mm -hmm. I, Stephanie, it's you're amazing. Enough. What you're doing is amazing. Uh, yeah. Boy, I'll tell you, this this is good stuff. Well, just so I love that it's like kind of scat, like uh, squashing the stigma, and mm -hmm. I say that because you're exposing the light into it. Because if you're saying one in eight cop, the police officers can this can be uh, happen to right, then if they're any like for me when I ran into being an addict, right, that one in so many is going to be an addict. I still didn't like that it was me, so that's why I probably sat there for ten years and didn't reach out either. 
So, I mean, like if, if it's, it's saying, Hey, I identify you're not alone and we're here to help, like let's squash the stigma. And that's kind of what we do with addiction too, is we just, we keep trying to squash the stigma by exposing it and telling it for what it really is. It's mm -hmm. common to feel that way. Mm -hmm. It's okay to have those thoughts and we're here to listen and we're not going to report you. Like that's mm -hmm. to me, that's everything about squashing a stigma. And that's mm -hmm. the, the way to, to the, the homeland right there. Yeah. Right. You know? <laughs> And, and, and the one out of eight is is think about suicide, not complete suicide. Mm, yeah. But 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 the, but the commonality of thoughts, I mean, of just that ceasing of pain, that fantasy yes. of going to sleep and waking up and everything's better. No pain, no nothing. Yeah. Steph, you, oh. you, you made a point um, in a prior conversation with us before is that. Um, that uh, we need to shed light on this. And like Skylar said, we need to squash the stigma. And that's something that Copline's doing that you guys want it. It's okay to talk about it. It's okay. Let's, let's talk about suicide. You and it's funny. Yeah, exactly. It's funny because on some of the past shows, if you listen to what I was saying, I would say, well, if you have a problem, you have this. And I was kind of tiptoeing around it. And you quite frankly made it, you have to say suicide. You are, are you thinking of suicide? It's, it's, it's not a joke. Let's talk about it. And let's, let's. So, look I, so, at, I, I wanted, so we had a call um, with a, with an individual, he was on his way home, he was driving and he, he was talking to the listener and he said, I was going over a bridge and I just wanted to, to drive off the bridge and, um, and be done. And then he continued to talk and our listener listened and our listener, he's probably about five minutes into the conversation. And he said, you know, Bob, I, I, um, I want to go back to something you said. I was wondering how long have you thought about killing yourself for? And there was silence on the phone and Bob said, thank you for asking. Wow. It, it, it gave, I, I, I mean, we couldn't have set up a better wow. you know, phone call for training purposes, but it gave him permission to talk about a depth of feeling mm. that everybody else kind of stayed away from. Mm -hmm. You guys are cops. Ask the fucking question mm. you want the answer to. Yes. I do not care if you are thinking of hurting yourself. I wow. want to know if you're thinking of killing yourself. Mm. Being direct. I, I, you know, I love cops. They say to me, you're so direct stuff. You're so direct. Then why the fuck can't you be direct? Yeah. Yeah. Because you've somehow or another made it not okay to talk about something, but, but you're more okay showing up to their funeral. Oh, hell mm. no. Mm. Oh, hell no. Because if you don't ask the question, here's, here's what you get left with. Should have, could have, and would have. Uh, yeah. Three things yep. that jam you up in your career yep. and your life. Yeah, yeah. Just real quick. I really think it's so important for anybody listening to our podcast, fire police, mm -hmm. EMS, anybody, anybody in this profession, right now, but specifically cops, because you have the means, you have that sidearm, that firearm, you have it with you all the time. Yes. Yeah. Um, some cops never carried a gun or even shot a gun before they became a police officer. You know, my generation, a lot of us were veterans. I was in the military police. You know, we did all this. But my point is, when you when you try to, you know, hurt yourself, or you're thinking about hurting yourself, and it gets out. In other words, one of your friends or your wife or your, your your girlfriend calls the station and lets them know that you've talked about suicide. Well, then it's a different ball game mm. because now you're going to be scrutinized. You're going to have to turn in all your weapons. You're going to be watched. But in this case, you get to vent, get some professional help Yeah, in the sense that you're speaking to somebody who's been trained. I love Stephanie, I love when you said, you speak in my language when you said, we have four in-service four times a year. Mm. That's every cop's nightmare. Who wants to take a week <laughs> off to go do the same shit I did last year and I, I didn't break, <laughs> you know, listen to some somebody who, who was uninterested. And, you know, it's, you know, these are professionals, you know, I, I, I used, I used cop line yesterday, believe it or not. I had a police officer with some problems and I said, you know what? You don't have to be talking suicide. You have a lot going on. I want you, and this is a very high-end cop, 
I want you to call this number. And I pulled over and I looked up the exact number for a cop line, 1-800-COP-LINE. I have it written down here on a piece of paper and I gave it to him. And I haven't heard back from him. He's going to call me at 12 today. But yeah. I just think any cop calling or listening to the show, you know what, spread spread this because this yeah. is this is a gift. Yeah. Well, Mike, and what you just said, you know, if a girlfriend called the station, you could get him in trouble. But if the family member called you and reached out to cop right. line, that mm-hmm. would, you know, so that, that could sure. be an option for the family members to reach out to, like yeah. to get help. Oh, that That's yeah. we also encourage them so that if if the family member calls and says, well, what happens if my husband doesn't call is right. to be able to say you can put us on speaker. Mm. you can do the calling and just put us on speaker yeah you know so that they can listen and that has been done enough times and then all of a sudden at some point the cop takes over Mm. and it comes out (laughs) well all i know realize they're not full of shit yeah exactly and if i was a loved one of a police officer or somebody who stated they wanted to kill themselves and they had the means i wouldn't sleep a wink until they were well, until yeah. they got help, until yeah. something, I would not feel comfortable at all ever. So I can only imagine what family members, wives, girlfriends, boyfriends, significant others must feel like when somebody blurts out, mm. I want to fucking kill myself. Yeah. You know, yeah. Well, now, you know, it's, 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 it's stress city. The rest of your yeah. uh, life, yeah. do you get that person help? We had, you know, one call was, was beautiful. It was a, it was a young officer who called, who was on his way home. He had had a bad day at work and he called the hotline. He was going home to his fiance. They were getting married in a couple of weeks and he called the hotline and he said, you know, I notice I'm more on edge. I notice that when I go home, I'm not as carefree as I used to be. And he said, you know, what is the secret to, to staying married? And he asked that, you know, that the listener said, you know, are you married and whatever? And the listener happened to have been married for you know 30 some odd years. And and as they were talking and he had arrived home and and he said to the listener, I feel so much better. Mm. And the listener said, you figured it out. <laughs> he said, what he said, yep. if you can talk about it, yep. if you can understand that you're having a bad day mm-hmm. and you can get it out. Mm-hmm. You can be home and yep. enjoy those moments. Yeah. Yeah. And he said, if I, he said, if I'm having a bad day, every time mm-hmm. I'm going home and the listener interrupted and said, you can call us <laughs> every time you've had a bad day. Exactly. Exactly. And you just feel like that's, yeah. that's what makes your heart dance. Yeah. Yeah. Because we know that that's, you know, that rookie will now use these lines for the rest of his career. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you know, the, the thing, the key to that stuff and, 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 you know, it's just amazing that, that, that listener said that to him is because when in any situation, we're not going to be right here in, in a year from now, a day from now, a week from now, hey, 10 minutes from right. now, we're not going to be right here. What the way we're feeling, the way we're acting, the way we're right. thinking, our thoughts are going to change. So if we can get somebody on the other line, especially a cop on the other line to change our thought, to change our mind a little bit, we come out of whatever that is being suicide or a bad day, kicking a dog, pissed off at the chief, whatever it is, it changes your thought immediately and you're put into a yeah. better space. Yeah. And that's what cop line does. And, day at a time. Know, Next yeah. day could be a whole, whole new ball game. Yeah. I mean, and with what's going on in society right now, being uh, able to, right. to have a line to talk about the administration, they have been betrayed on all levels right yes. now. Yeah, 100%. It, it's the administration. It is, it is their leadership. It is the, the politics. It is society, mm-hmm. people that love them. And being able to talk to retirees that have gone through LA riots, that have gone through Chicago riots, that have gone through different scenarios. Ferguson, uh, Missouri, yep, all of them. Of society and, and can just, again, sit with them. Mm-hmm. And right. be it's, able to, to, yeah, to just kind of be yeah. there. And what you guys are doing is phenomenal. Being able to make sure that you have guests on to just help whoever you can know what's going on. I mean, Mike, for you picking up this career after, you know, doing a full career and Sky, you giving up, you know, and, and paying forward for what you've been through, bless your heart. And, and Ed, you know, you as well. I mean, you are vigilant in making sure that people know about recovery. 
um, that there are safe places for officers and first responders to go to, to be able to be in recovery. Yeah, yeah. And, you know, that's, that's what it's about. We, we all need to just do our part. Mm-hmm. And stay in our damn lanes. Mm-hmm. This isn't about ego. You know, when when I watch people, you know, jockeying and you know they're beating their chest, and I'm like, I don't know. We keep having <laughs> fucking suicide, so I'm not sure that anybody's doing such a great That's goddamn right. job. That's right. Know? Exactly. <laughs> you know, exactly. That kind of eliminates that. <laughs> exactly. Steph, real quick before we're almost we're almost out of time here, but yeah. I purposely left off the um, our little spiel after the. Um, after a break, I usually give out the cop line or the copline.org and the 1 800 cop line because I want you to talk about that. I want you to give us the, okay. we, we know the inside of, of it and how it operates. I want to know from the outside, how can they get a hold of you? What's the phone number? What do so, they do and, and all that? Yeah, a little so, commercial okay. basically. Okay. So, cop line is simple it's 1 800 cop line, which is 267 5463. Again, 1 800 cop line. And you can access us as well through the web um, and our, um, our email address is for me, I'm director at copline.org, but you can go online and we are uh, www.copline, I can tell you .org, but we, we have all of them. We're mm-hmm. .org, .com, .net, just, it just goes over copline. Yeah. Yeah. And if you're a retired officer listening to this, mm-hmm. And you're interested in volunteering, mm-hmm. we'd, we'd love to have volunteers. So um, go on, go on the, the website, please, www.copline.org. And there is a section that says volunteer. So please fill out that form. If you are a mental health provider, we have a form for you to fill out as well on there. So by all means, um, we have three more trainings coming up. I think Los Angeles is full. Los Angeles is April 21st through the 25th. We have our first training in New Jersey um, on May the 12th through May the 16th. Mm-hmm. Unity tour was canceled. They've been, they've moved that to October, so it does not interfere. And um, and then at the end of the year in October, we're back out in the Sacramento area from October the 6th through the 10th. Mm-hmm. So, um, so we've got the three, again, we have about, we have a little over a hundred volunteers. The requirement is only one shift a month for 12 hours wow. and you pick the shift. Wow. It is done through phone. So that as long as you're in an area that your cell phone is available, so you don't have to go to any centralized location or what have you. Nice. Nice. So by, Good. by all means, we'd love to have, um, volunteers yeah. pick up that, we'll get on that website and, and yep. fill out those forms. We need cops, retired cops, like the pod father and, and all these Absolutely. guys who do this, you know, get, please do notes. that. Yeah. Yeah. Stephanie, yeah. from the bottom of my heart, I want to say thank you. This is the best podcast I've done in over three years for, for, or for two years to do an answer on the call. And, uh, can't thank you enough. Mm-hmm. Yeah, Stephanie, thank you. And you know, you 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 gave us all pat on the back for everything we do. But Stephanie, and I know you don't like this because we you and I talk, but this this is an amazing thing that you put together. This yep. is this is just unbelievable yeah. that I know you're like, yeah, it's not me. It's not, yeah, it's you 100% to you. Cause without you starting this, these volunteers wouldn't have a place to go without you starting this. These people who are calling these volunteers wouldn't have this. It's a vision that you have, but it, it, it it's a helpline for people who, who need to come in. So thank you from the bottom of our heart. And I have to agree with the podfather. This is probably one of the best, yeah. the best um, answering the call that I've done in the three years that we or two years that we've been doing this. So. Thank you. Thank you. You guys are a gift. Thank you very much. <laughs> yeah, thank you. Yeah, yeah. Safe, please. Yep. Yeah, thank. Yep. Absolutely. Podfather. I don't yep. even know what to say after after yep. her whole thing here. We we just. I have nothing left. I mean, it, you want to take us out here? <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Just one last thing. I mean, um, I think I mentioned it before. Um, she looks like. Sandra Bullock. I can't help it. <laughs> that's right. Yes, that's right. That's a good coming back on. Yeah. <laughs> really? You want to come back on? Really? Yeah. Really? Yeah. <laughs> you kidding me? Yeah, no, I know. We will have you back on, but not, not the next You're day. Definitely coming back on. <laughs> hey, everybody. Um, answering the call, the First Responders Podcast, sponsored by FirstNet, built by AT&T. Stay safe, everyone. Stay safe, guys. Stephanie Samuels, thank you, guys. Great show. That concludes this episode of Answering the Call, the First Responders Podcast. Thanks to Genesis House, 
FirstNet, built with AT&T, for supporting those on the path to recovery and keeping this valuable resource free for all our friends in recovery. Follow us on Facebook for past shows and updates and enjoy free access to twice daily support meetings. Brought to you by Genesis House and the Friends in Recovery. If you can't get enough of Mike, the Podfather, Jersey Ed, and Skyler, you can catch them on Friends in Recovery, the Addiction Recovery Podcast. Available on Facebook, Podbean, iTunes, YouTube, iHeartRadio, and GenesisHouse.net.